And welcome to Cleveland the Geek, Day Before Games Begin Edition. Yeah, we made it almost tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> We've almost made it. Yeah. Me- I could have called it Media Day Edition. It's- I'm John Bonus with TrimsDaily.com. With me, Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. Photo Day, you mean. Yeah, photo, photo Day. Well, he- every day is D- Media D- Day. Dustin calls it Media Day. I view it every day as Media Day. Because <laughs> the <laughs> world revolves around the media. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, today's Photo Day here, which uh, means every all the players have been here earlier than they usually get here yeah. and they're all cycling through like this sort of obstacle course of uh pictures right so like they all got on their pretty whites yeah they're all wearing their full <laughs> uniforms right. and uh everybody's hair is all nice they got the, th- everybody's got their chains I th- on i think we asked dustin how many stations there were and there were 13 or 15 stations yeah i mean something to, like to that. get to the clubhouse from like the parking <laughs> right, lot which right. is where i right. come in and go I like had to walk past Jorge Polanco's photo shoot and then right. Joey Gallo's photo shoot, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't want to be involved in this. And, and what happens is that you know some of the local stations and then a lot of the national right. stations and such, they all li- sort of line up and have the players come through with photo shoots or like a little bit of video or a couple of questions or something like that. So when then they have a right. a televised game, they have some footage. Right. And some photos you and such a, that you they a, can got use. Got a couple of clips of uh, you know Jose Miranda talking about his favorite player when he was a kid or yeah, some, so that, something like exactly that. Exactly right. That yeah. So I mean, and so, then also so, so it's literally like seventy or sixty-seven guys you know going through this fifteen yeah. station uh, thing, kind of making their way through. They're so. thrilled about it. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's kind of a nice morning off, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's like picture day at school. It really is. Yeah, right. It's, it's, you know, it was kind of nice to because yeah, screw out and lied. I definitely noticed more chains being worn because people are like got their you know <laughs> earrings and chains and like <laughs> they got I, their haircuts yesterday. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but well, and then also like um, you know, Getty images right, are yeah, taking yeah, their probably, shots because then yeah. players hold up their nameplate. Oh yeah, like where it says who it is, so that then there's an archive. Like when articles are written and somebody needs a picture of right. whoever, yep. like random minor leaguers, you know, who maybe there aren't action shots of, they at least have a headshot of them. Right. So that's what we're uh, we stepped away from that, <laughs> uh, and we're up here in the uh, what are we in the TV booth? I think we're in the TV booth. We've uh, we've closed the window. <laughs> Because uh, the Patreon was interrupted by like jackhammering or whatever it was last time. So we we we, we thought it was like welding. Or something. It was a, a concrete circular saw, a circular yeah. saw cutting through concrete, yeah. doing repairs on the stadium. Turns uh, out yesterday. the microphones will pick that up. <laughs> These microphones. They're really good at blocking out yeah, uh, that noise. Concrete being but set or whatever. That was not is, uh, uh, is now good. So we got a decent amount to talk about since uh, since last we spoke. Uh, you know, full squad. I've been here now. This is my sixth day, fifth day. Uh, John's been here like what, ten days, something like ten that. days. And so, full uh, almost a week of full squad here. Everybody's been here except for Kyle Garlic, who's away for he had a death in his family. Um, and Jordan Balzavic is here but not participating because he has a broken jaw, which we will discuss in a moment, <laughs> which is an interesting uh, early storyline here. Yep. Um, but like you said, we're recording this on a Friday uh, morning. Uh, also, here is Donovan Solano. Donovan Solano's <laughs> here. We talked to him yesterday. Yeah. Um, and tomorrow afternoon, not only does this 
game start, but it starts with two games in one day, Split mm-hmm. Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Twins are playing – who are they playing? They're playing the Rays and – Baltimore. Baltimore. They're 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 traveling to Baltimore. I right. actually don't know who they're playing at home. Rays. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. So yeah, Kenta Maeda is starting. I guess I'll call it the home opener, uh, which is interesting. He's going to go an inning. Right. Sounds like. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good sign. And Louis Varlin is. They send the rookie to go travel. Yep. Get on a bus. Yep. And and then tomorrow. And then Sunday. Tomorrow. They, well, also tomorrow. Also looks like we're going to see Duran. Also sounds yeah. like uh, uh, I'm guessing maybe for the second or third inning, uh, uh, a couple of a couple of the you know top notch guys we would expect to be anchor the bullpen are going to be pitching yep. in tomorrow's tomorrow's home game. Yeah, everybody's been doing well, and then, so then Sunday they play at Baltimore, which is what's Baltimore, Sarasota. Yeah, Sarasota. Joe Ryan starting that one. Now he doesn't have much service uh, time. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm Sunday. Sorry. Sunday is Sunday is Philadelphia, Philadelphia not Baltimore, Clearwater, and that's in Clearwater, and that's Joe Ryan. Joe right. Ryan, that's right. He he uh, he doesn't have much service time, but I would have liked to have uh, been there to hear the conversation where he got talked into taking a bus to Clearwater. <laughs> Joe Ryan, it's one of their best pitchers. But anyway, so that's uh, it's fun. Like you know, it's uh, I like getting. We talked about this, but I, I like getting here before the games start because the vibe is just so relaxed and everyone is just sort of walking around and it's very easy from our standpoint to just walk up to somebody and have a conversation on off record quotable whatever and that's still mostly the case once the games start but it's a little more rigid in terms of everybody's responsibilities and schedule and like you said what happens is the pitchers for the early spring games especially before starters are built up and all that starters will go one or two innings right away especially Maeda's coming back from a year and a half missed with with Tommy John surgery, and then the bullpen will be used like in, in reverse, reverse order, of how it would right? be. Yeah. In part because once you pitch, if you're a veteran, veteran, right. you can leave a lot of the time. Now I don't know what the right. Twins' rules are going to be this year for that, but I know yeah. my guess is we get to see Durand in like the second or third inning, and then maybe Alcala, right? And then they could be home Before, by the and, fifth and inning, and, like, then maybe, and then maybe Moran. If I, my right. guess is if, the, if there's a part of the. A lineup that has a lot of left-handers. Maybe they th- they throw Moran out there. Something and like I that. saw that uh, Joey Gallo is leading off the home opener. Oh wow! Yeah, which people will freak out about. I'm sure. <laughs> the top two hitters are Joey Gallo leading off and Christian Vasquez, Vasquez number two. <laughs> that's right. So, and Kyle Farmer batting third. So yeah, that's I, I expect that to be their primary lineup for the whole season into the playoffs. <laughs> uh, and, and Jeffers the DH. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is the World Series roster that they want to put together. <laughs> so we also got two non-roster invi- invita- invitees uh, batting in that starting lineup as well. Uh, Tyler White. And mm-hmm. Willie Castro, yeah, neither of which were you know with in the organization no. last year. Both of the minor league signees. They sit. They they are next to each other in the clubhouse. <laughs> um, Tyler White was played with Correa in Houston mm-hmm. for three or four years. He is. I yep. would describe him as a uh, short and stocky, uh, slugging right-handed hitting first baseman, baseman DH correct. type, thirty-three. Yeah, like he that. had some good. Decent years as kind of a part-time guy in Houston and then has been mostly triple-A level yeah, the past couple of years. Yeah. So they signed him to a minor league deal. I'm pretty sure – I mean, unless something crazy happens, he'll be St. Right. Paul. Uh, and then Willie Castro, people may have seen him actually a decent amount the last yeah. three or four years because right. he's been kind of a super utility guy for Detroit yep. uh, and gets you know 300 bats a, a year. Right. Um, Only 25 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so. I wouldn't expect him to be in – 
I mean, to be honest, we're going to talk about Donovan Solano and what that means for the roster. <laughs> I just don't think there's any real competition, especially on the position player right. side at this point. Maybe there's some bullpen competition. Um, but, I mean, we kind of felt that way before they added Donovan Solano. Right. That yeah, it was, right. you know, not locked in. Obviously, they've now added Solano. But yeah, I, I'm betting when Willie Castro signed with the Twins, it was looking, you know, it. I prefer, I presume, because he's looking for opportunities. Right. He was taking a look and going, well, you know, if Farmer doesn't play. Well, he might have signed even before. I don't know when he signed. I wonder if he signed even before Correa was on the roster. He might have been taking a look at that roster going, boy, just Farmer there. They're, they're looking for a utility player. <laughs> Since then, yeah. they, they brought Correa or to his, bump Farmer down, and now they brought in Solano to. Or his to agent may, might have just sorted days lost to injury <laughs> for last season and right. had all his clients call the twins <laughs> exactly. and say, we're looking to rent in Lower Town. Is that a good place to be? Uh, so. I guess we can just talk – we'll get into Solano first. That's the big one. That's which the is the, the big one. So when we talked last week on the show, we talked a little bit about how the 13 position play – because you have a 26-man roster now. Right. It, there's a maximum of 13 pitchers. Um, and Baldoni was asked <laughs> yesterday <laughs> – Yeah, two days ago. Uh, yeah, two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, are you guys? Is there any chance you guys don't keep thirteen? Like you don't keep the maximum pitchers? He's like, oh god, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so it'll be both a maximum and a minimum, right. <laughs> essentially. I mean, the maximum truly is keeping them, right. and not just the Twins, but other teams from going fourteen or fifteen pitchers, which would be absurd. I personally think thirteen is absurd, but you know, here's where we are. Right. Um, I'm not quite at the old man yells at cloud stage. Pretty close. I'm just the old man speaks quietly towards the cloud right. and then walks away stage of my life. But so they'll have 13. Mumbles a cloud. Yeah. Well, I do that anyway. Uh, Becky said to me like a, a week or two ago. Grumbles a cloud. She goes, how, how do you have a podcast if you just mumble everything always? And I said, well, I don't. And she said, have you thought about doing that in your real life? Not mumbling everything and i'm like hey. i have more confidence speaking into the microphone that's true but so you get half the roster is going to be pitchers which means there's going to be 13 position players at yeah. most you got your nine starting players and this time a week ago the eight actual positions fielding positions are all but locked in i mean right. i'll just go around the home you have we thought so you have vasquez at catcher <laughs> kirilov if if healthy which we're going to get into in a second at first Polanco at second, some guy named Correa they have on the depth chart at shortstop. Miranda's moving to third. You get Gallo probably in left. You got Buxton in center, and you got Kepler in right. We thought as of four days ago, three days ago even, that they were going to mix. I mean, they've made it clear since Nelson Cruz left that they're going to mix and match and cycle guys through the DH spot. But right. I just assumed given his age, given the time he spent in the majors the past couple years – Given you know some of the the profile that he has as kind of a walks and power guy, that Trevor Larnick would be at least have a clear path to be the primary DH you know against right-handed sure. pitching, and they'll mix and match around it and all that. And he'll play some corner and all that, and then so that's the nine we thought. Well, that leaves a four-man bench. Well, Jeffers is the backup catcher. That's one spot. Yep. Farmer's the backup shortstop and utility infielder. That's right. one spot. Michael Taylor is the backup center fielder and outfield guy. And then Nick Gordon is sort of your infield outfield. Back, backup to the backup. Right. <laughs> yeah, and out of options, by the way. Right. Importantly, out, out of, of options. Which he means, can't be sent down. Correct. The only way you can get him to the minors now is to pass him through waivers unclaimed. Correct. And he obviously would get, he claimed would get claimed on waivers. So... You go, okay, well, that's 13. Now, it's not locked in, locked in, obviously. Right. We've right. learned since then. But we just kind of thought, yeah, all right, that's 
you know, that's enough parts and they all seem to kind of fit into spots. There's enough overlap to give them coverage. So then we're going out to uh, Fort Myers Brewing. <laughs> what night was that? Wednesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. And right as Trivia I, night right as I pull Brewing. up, I see a Ken Rosenthal tweet. And it says the Twins have signed uh, veteran infielder Donovan Solano to a one-year major, major league contract. Major league contract. And the major league part of that is key because Solano certainly fits the profile of what they've looked for. And honestly, kind of fits the farmer profile a little bit, right. which is right-handed bat, been around the block, good, solid, dependable, good clubhouse rep, and can play all the infield spots. And Cincinnati Red. Well, right. Yeah, they <laughs> seem to collect Cincinnati Red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and so, yeah, yes, when we interviewed Solano. It's not a terrible philosophy, by the way, to find an organization that you think is screwing up a lot of things up and go after mm, them and go. Yeah. <laughs> we, we said, like, are you friendly with anybody here? And he gave a look around the room and he named, like, 11 guys. <laughs> It's like, are you not friendly with anyone here? <laughs> right. Uh, so, but the major league part, all that means is it's a guaranteed contract, which we've since learned is for $2 million. Plus, I think he can earn like 250000 in some playing time incentives. Okay. Whereas a lot of, like I would expect any moves they make from this point forward, let's say they bring in a reliever, would be what are called non-roster invites, minor league contracts. For non-guaranteed money. Right. Now, they're not on the 40-man roster. Right. They're not on the 26. But they now, don't have to be on the 26-man roster. If a non-roster invitee uh, who's not on the 40-man roster, the contract is not guaranteed. It's a minor league contract. If they do make the major league team, a lot of those contracts, especially for veteran players sure. with major league experience, then kick in and pay $3 million instead of the league minimum. So the decision point for teams as they near opening day is – you know, I saw like Luke Voigt, for instance, who we talked a lot about a, uh, being a potential Twins target, and they actually talked to him. First right. baseman. Right. right. Slugging first baseman, played for the Yankees recently. Right. Um, signed a minor league deal with the Brewers, and it's like, well, why wouldn't the Twins have offered a minor league deal? Right. Well, they did talk to Luke Voigt. I'm able to confirm that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Brewers' minor league deal is only a minor league deal sort of in technicality. If he makes the major league roster – which I'm pretty sure they've kind of not assured him, but they've said uh, it kicks in and he makes you know two million, three million, whatever it is. But the Solano thing is guaranteed right from the start. He goes right on the forty man roster. They transferred Chris Paddock to the sixty day injured list to make room for him. He's guaranteed two mil. He can earn two point two five. And so then you look at the roster and there somebody has to go right? right of those thirteen guys that we just mentioned. Now they don't have to make the decision today right. and. Given the injuries, maybe a month from now, it's a moot point, like we always talk about, especially with, with pitching, but Correct. even on the position player side. But there's two very obvious yeah, kind it, of it, solutions it, it, here it, or it, domino effects here, right. one of which seems likely to be what kind of gets Solano on the roster. One is Kirloff just isn't ready to begin the season. Right. Yeah. Now, whether that's... It, it's not going to be one of the bench guys. We just went through the four bench guys. So now right. you're into the kind of one of the starting nine. Right. Of those nine, right. who is, I don't want to say expendable, but who either has a minor league option remaining, who has an injury question mark. So Kirilov is coming back from back-to-back season-ending wrist surgeries. We talked to him yesterday or the day before. Why am I? Yesterday. I've lost I wasn't here yesterday, yesterday, so I haven't talked to him. And he said, I'm really optimistic about how the how my wrist is feeling and we're on a good track, but he's yet to take live. He takes live batting practice, but does not swing. <laughs> right. It's called tracking, right. which I call uh, standing there. I do that. <laughs> I track stuff all day right. from my coach. Mm -hmm. um, 
but he's hit in the cage and he's hit normal batting practice off pitchers or uh, coaches pitching and all that stuff. So his wrist, he's not had any setbacks. There's some soreness, but sort of said to be normal when you when you have this sort of surgery. But you know, a, he needs to continue progressing so that in three weeks from now we can say, okay, he's on track for opening day. There's a there's still some like checkpoints he needs to hit or uh, you know stages he needs to advance to before he's penciled in for opening day. And so it's very possible that we're trying to figure out the domino effect on the roster here for Solano, and it just ends up being, oh, sure. Kirilov needs another three weeks. Right. And it and might not kick it, that can it, down it, the road. It, it might not even be, oh, he's not healthy. It might be like right. he just he's healthy, but he's not geared up. He's not ready to go. Right. He, he might hasn't be, had enough he, he's reps go to, and games. He's going to go to St. Paul, get from 85% to 100%. Uh, yeah, I wonder about that. Things. I don't I don't know that you're going to get away with sending him to St. Paul. I think it's going to be an injury list then. Well, I wonder. It's clearly based on a wrist surgery, right? right? I mean, we went through this last year with him too, right. and the year before with him too, where they yeah, sent it could him be one of those things where he's batting every day here, and he's just not driving the ball. Right. And in which case, right. at some point, they do just. Well, that's what happened out. last year. They were right. like, his performance isn't good enough, and it's like, well, why do you think his performance isn't good enough? It's like, well, he, he has wrist injury, so it's like, okay, well, should he go to AAA or should he go to the injured list? But either way. That's, I almost would say, it's tough because in talking to Kirilov, I would describe him as genuinely upbeat. I mean, he's sort of a even keeled, monotone type of guy, but genuinely upbeat. And and he said, "I'm really optimistic." I mean, he's he's not someone who usually is full of platitudes and all that stuff. So I have no doubt that he feels pretty good, and he feels much better, obviously, than he did pre-surgery and all that stuff. But there's still some question, clearly, in his mind, in the Twins' mind, in the training staff. Like I said, he's got to get – there are a couple more stages until you can start to think he's going to be ready. When we go through the injuries and sort of where everybody is health-wise, one of the things we will do is just kind of go through, here's all of the the guys that are on the roster and whether or not they have limitations or not. And of the guys that have limitations, the number one who has limitations right now is Kirilov, Kirilov, right? I mean, the other ones that we've talked about potentially having limitations, Polanco, Buxton. um, Malley. Malley, right? Maeda. Yeah, Maeda. I mean, none of them. I mean, there are some limitations, I guess, with Buxton and Polanco. They're bringing them along a little slower. Well, let's put it this way. Three days ago, we watched Tyler Malley pitch live batting practice against Al Kirilov. (laughs) Tyler Malley said afterward, told us, I hit 95 miles an hour. Right. Alex Kirloff was not allowed to swing. swing. <laughs> right. So that yeah. tells you where we're at. Right. You know, um, you know, it might only be a half step behind, but he's behind. So I actually think at this point, that is almost the most likely or most straightforward uh, domino effect of Solano is just Kirloff begins the season either at AAA, on the IL, whatever it is. That opens up the, a 13th spot, and Solano is that guy. If, however, it also opens up first base. We'll talk about well, right. that in a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about like Solano's role in a second. But if, however, and this is what everyone's hoping, obviously, Kirilov two weeks from now, ready for games, he starts ripping doubles all over the place, and he, he's saying his wrist feels great, and he's playing every other day, and he's on track for opening day. They certainly would love him to be the primary first baseman. They would love, I mean, they still believe very much in Alex Kirilov if, sure. if healthy, and so do I. Um, in which case, then you go, well, okay, let's say he's the opening day first baseman. Well, who's going then to make room for Solano? I honestly think there's only really one person that it can be barring a trade or another injury, obviously, right. which is Trevor Larnick. And it's not because I think Trevor Larnick is a bad player. I actually am still a believer. In, if anything, when not injured, Trevor Larnick has almost proven for 
two months at a time, twice in his rookie year and last year, that he's a, you know, he can draw walks, he can hit for power, he's better defensively than I think his reputation suggests that he would be in the minors. Um, but then he's gotten injured after a couple months, right. both of his seasons, tried to play through the injury, hits 150 for a month, gets shut down. He had surgery, uh, core muscle surgery. He has a minor league option remaining. <laughs> right. And as we talked about, his role would kind of be some DH work and then a backup left and right fielder that can work in there. So the only other person in the starting lineup that I can think of that has options remaining, I mean, that isn't a catcher, right. is Miranda. Right. Who right. I mean, that's gonna they're, not gonna, they're not going to send Miranda down. So I don't think <laughs> that's the the situation that. No, I can confirm that they're not going <laughs> to send Jose Miranda. That would be that would be the shocker. So, <laughs> look at John talked himself into like a, a outlandish scenario. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. So that puts Larnick in a spot where he would be the odd man out, similar to how we talked last week that Bailey Ober is the logical sixth man in a five-man rotation. Not because he's not a major league caliber player, right. not because the Twins still don't think he's going to be a big part of the future, like with Larnack, just he has a minor league option remaining. He's less established than the other guys. Right. Uh, and I think with Larnack, especially given how last year ended with the injury and you know, kind of dragged down his overall numbers, he's been fine in the majors. He's been an average-ish player in the majors. Uh, but he hasn't certainly hasn't done enough that if they were to send him down to AAA, you know, a month from now, that it would just be an insane decision or right. you know egregious. And so I think that's what we're kind of facing, and that's the the Solano thing adds well, a lot of depth, and it adds a veteran player, and it adds a right-handed hitter who can step in and knock around left-handed pitching. It does a lot of things, but it puts those two guys, Kirilov and Larnick in a spot where there is going to be a decision made. Now, again, barring a trade, barring more injuries. Now, one now, of those two now, guys. We can say uh, it's okay to take a look at this and go, why the hell are we giving at-bats to Donovan Solano versus yes. Troy Larnick? I talked about that on the Patreon. We did Troy. a Patreon. Trevor Larnick. Troy Larnick. <laughs> I just called yeah. him Troy. Uh, Trevor, Travis, <laughs> Troy, whatever. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, we talked about that. We did a Patreon right. with Dan Hayes uh, actually before the Solano deal was even official uh, two days ago. And that's the case I made, which is like, are they getting, are they almost getting like too cute uh, right. with this thing in search of depth and in search of dependability and in search of defensive flexibility yeah. and all that stuff? I you can do, to, I want to return to you that. You can point. do all these things and go, okay, now we have a right hand bat here. And, but also, couldn't you have just said to Trevor Larnick, yeah, go out there five days a week and try to rip 25 homers and be the DH. So, yeah, I think that's that's part of it. I'm, I don't have a problem if it ends up being Larnick going to AAA. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I don't think he really has anything to prove at AAA, but he does need to prove that he can stay healthy. Right, yeah. I mean, so, it'd be interesting to see where our heads are at in the third week of April when he's got a 970 OPS right. at St. Paul, and we're looking there going, do we really care that much about the defensive flexibility that we've got that we get, right. you know, three di- we have now three uh, utility middle infielders on the right. roster? But, um, I, but here's what I'll also say, and then we should talk about Solano specifically instead of just the effect right. of Solano, which right. is I also think that this move in a weird way, it seems odd to say they just added a 35-year-old kind of utility infielder type of guy or, you know, flexible infielder type of guy. It seems weird to say that I think that could help Nick Gordon get a bigger role, but I, I'm thinking, like, connecting the dots that if Solano ends up bumping Larnick, then the DH spot 
especially against right-handed pitching, the kind of left-handed DH bat opens up because that was going to be Larnick. Well, who's that going to be? That's going to be Nick Gordon. Right. He's going to play some – he would then – if Larnick is out of the picture – then Nick Gordon would be the left-handed bat that they put at DH against right-handed pitching, and then Nick Gordon would also play some outfield, which was going to be the plan for Larnick too. And so if that was part of their thinking, if part of their thinking was Solano has a lot of pluses, and if we're really just kind of kicking the can down the road with Larnick and sending him to AAA for a little more seasoning, prove he's healthy and all that, and and the drop-off may not be a drop-off at all. I mean, honestly, Nick Gordon has outperformed Trevor Larnick, certainly last year. Um, as a left-handed, you know, platoon bat, I kind of like the idea of giving Nick Gordon a half a season to show that last season was for real. Yeah. Because here's the thing: if Nick Gordon does what he did in the second half of last season, and he can do it, duplicate that in the first half of this upcoming season, well, then he's just a regular. Then he's just right. a 26 year old guy that you can have in your lineup for a few years. Right. And so that, to me, is is like. There's so many little like ripple effects of this thing. I also think it probably the Solano thing, if Larnick gets sent out, it means Joy Gallo might be in the outfield more than at first base because now well, Solano sure. enters the picture at, at first base. Right. Well, I mean, it also, I mean, it, unless Kirilov gets sent out, in which right. case then we see and Joey that's Gallo all, that's a lot at first base. Yeah. Um, let me get, give up. Before we move on to actually talking about Solano. Uh, what if we never did? We just spent an hour saying, we're going to talk about this guy. I swear to God. And then at the end, we were just like, he's got nice hair. Good night. I, I think it's worth calling out two things that it is not, because that seems to be one of the things that I'm getting a lot of questions about on Twitter. One is, this does not mean that somebody is hurt. Right. right? Um, yes. You know, Derek Fulvey was adamant about that yesterday. Right. And, and it's not just from the Twins mouthpieces that we're hearing that. It's also from sources. like And, and people who... That, all of the beat writers are checking with their sources as soon as this happens, saying, does this mean that Polanco's hurt? <laughs> or does this mean that, um, you know, Kirilov's delayed? Or anything right. like that. And the answer seems to be no. Now, right. that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean there they're going to stay healthy. Injury. <laughs> right, 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 right. But it's, there wasn't, like, some thing that happened three right. days ago where they went, oh, no, we got to bring in a new guy right. because so-and-so is injured. Well, or, I mean, we've, had, we've had seen stuff like that at tr- spring training of before. Course. Like with, with Sano uh, shows up and his uh, ankle is That's screwed a, up or something like that. And suddenly Marwin Gonzalez I mean, is on the roster or something like that. Free agents right? who are right. in the position that Solano was as of 72 hours ago, right. which is, oh, no, spring training has started. I'm still without a job. Right. I want a guaranteed contract. They often at this stage – are almost waiting for right. some injury to Somebody occur. Somebody to show up at camp, spring training right. camp not as healthy as right. they, everybody thought they were going to And be. so, right. yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's – like we asked Falvey because Falvey said yesterday, we've talked to Solano's rep all offseason. We highlighted him as defensively flexible, great clubhouse rep. He played with Farmer and others in Cincinnati, right. yeah. so they vouch for him. And then they, they just like the right-handed bat against lefties. He hit three twenty one against lefties since 2019, the last four years. Um, But I think the sense seems to be that he wanted a multi-year deal at the beginning of the offseason. And so the Twins, even though he's 35 years old, and obviously he didn't get the multi-year deal. And so I think the Twins kind of every month or so just circled back and kind of just said, hey, we're still interested. What's the situation? And they weren't going to give him a multi-year deal. No. They ended up giving a one-year, $2 million deal, which I think is a sound decision for a 35-year-old. But once spring training started, his agent probably said, all right, well, the multi-year deal is probably not happening at this that's point. Right, yeah, Let's pick right. a good spot for a one-year deal, and we'll try to do this again next year. And that's what I think created, well, why now for Solano right. versus 
initially people were like, well, there must have been something that caused this. I think what caused it is Solano finally said, all right, I'll take the one-year deal, basically. I think that's and he, right. he, he said yesterday, well, two things. One, he didn't want to miss any more of camp. He didn't want to feel like he was sure. coming in behind right? because he's a veteran guy and all that. And yeah. he had been scheduled to play for – he's from Columbia – to play for Columbia in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, but he's not – he withdrew oh, okay. because he basically said, I'm a few days behind. I want right. to lock in yeah, and be with sense. this team, yeah. particularly as a Especially with of, a new team. Well, you know, it's one and thing a bunch of other guys are leaving for the WBC. Right. So, so he's, he's going to get plenty of at-bats and plenty of time and all yeah, that stuff. Makes and, sense. And so good, that good, – Good head. That's where he's at. Shoulders. Uh, look, the second thing it is not <laughs> is that – or I don't think it is – is that the question was sort of like, are they setting themselves up for a trade? Are they trying to right. – you know, are they going to trade Kepler and move Gallo and thing? And then they need so, – you know, basically, is there going to be some sort of additional deal or two-for-one trade or something like that? Right. And I got to tell you, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I I, that that's the sort of thing, like, again, with what sources we have, it's not like there's a trade that's imminent. We haven't heard any rumors of anything like that. And, I mean, I – I, th- I think the the thought process for people who think that way is always like, oh, well, they want to trade for pitching. They, yeah. they wanna, and I'll tell you, at least from the rotation standpoint, that's absolutely sure. that absolutely does not seem to be where their head is at right now. They they are really excited about the way this pitching staff looks right now, and probably should be really excited about the way this pitching staff is looking. The right rotation, now. Yeah. yeah, the rotation. I mean, bullpen, you know, maybe. Here's what I'll say: that, if they could have traded Max Kepler for a reliever. Under team control for more than one season that they really liked, right? They would have done. They it. probably would. Now maybe something changes with an injury or sure. something in, right. in spring training, yep. and it kind of resets the circumstances. It's not, and, like, and, and I mean, this does, I guess, provide that additional piece of flexibility on that. I'm not getting any sense at all that Rocco has any thoughts other than Max Kepler is going to be playing right field 130 yeah. no, games this year. Uh, that's just his plan. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yep. Uh, and so, okay, before we get into Solano, I'm delaying it again. Let's uh, let's talk about our our Wombats sponsors here for the uh, <laughs> for the show. The first one is a longtime sponsor of ours, right. which is Harry's Razors. And we're <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Uh, I shaved right before I came here, and then didn't bring stupidly didn't bring any shaving equipment because <laughs> in my head I thought, well, I'm only here for like two and a half weeks. That's you do a clean shave on the – clean for me, leaving a beard <laughs> on the way here. And then what I realized is, nope, nope, I forgot I'm a human werewolf. <laughs> and now I'm four days in and I got like stuff hey, popping. he's missing his Harry's Razor. So, you know what I'm going to do? I, however, have my Harry's Razor with me. I'm going to go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com slash Gleeman and get them to mail me. That's a great idea. It's only going to cost you three bucks. It's a, it's a $15 value. Uh, it's called the Truman Shave Trial Set. And here's what you get. You get the five-blade German-engineered razor with the weighted handle. You get foaming shave gel, and then you get this nice uh, travel cover. You get the travel really cover, really too. makes you feel like Don Draper, like you're real classy <laughs> when you're shaving. It's a $15 value. You get it for 3 bucks. because, uh, you know, give it a try. We've talked about yes. this a lot. I travel uh, with my uh, Harry's Shave Gel. and my Actually, I use the Harry's Shave Cream. I hope they still yeah. have that, that that option there. But yeah, I, I use my Harry's Razor every morning. Would it be uh, weird so if we shared a razor? Yeah. That's not going to happen. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, here's but, the thing. I would use your razor because you have such little facial hair. Well, that's that true. I feel like it's a brand new well, razor. That, that is sort of the thing is that it, it does last pretty long yeah. for me. I, I don't need... 
I could probably make it last a month. I don't need to make it last a month because they're just so cheap and they come right to me. Yes. So I just I just swap them out every other week. The, the beauty of Harry's is the quality is as good, or I would argue even better, yeah. than some traditional razors. And they've basically cut out the middleman. Right. They just mail it directly to you, so it's it's much less expensive than that. And so you can get uh, give a try. Don't get overcharged for razors. You can get Harry's and get the fifteen dollar value Truman Shave trial set for just three bucks. Go to harrys.com slash Gleeman. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S. harrys.com slash Gleeman for the $3 travel or other trial set. Our other sponsor, also a longtime sponsor, and also we both are longtime users yes, of rotowire.com. It is fantasy baseball season, Which kids. is a Minnesota company, technically, right? Uh, I think it's Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, don't hold that Close against Close enough. <laughs> right, They're still nice. I, We've I, met the I owner. Think it's just- uh, Here's yeah. Here's the deal with with RotoWire is we've used it both of us long, long, long before. I mean, we've been paying customers of theirs right. long before they became a sponsor because I really value the database of news and injury information that they have. So right. you can go into their database yep. and type in I don't know Joey Gallo, and it will show you every player news blurb for Joey Gallo, which includes. Injuries yes. over 10 years. Right. Every time he was placed right. on the injured list, every time he had a hamstring injury and he missed a game and there was an update, it includes prominent game performances that yes, they write about. Right. That's right. And then it includes transactions, trades, oh, whatever. Also, like season-by-season season outlooks, right. which is one of my favorite things. You can go, oh, yeah, that's this guy was a real prospect at one point. Or something. It's I super did, I useful. I did that literally this morning for Tyler White and Willie Castro because no, I saw them on the lineup. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell are they? It's, it's like almost extra. like the cliff notes of a guy's career. Yeah. Like you're just getting kind of the bullet point right. stuff. And but then, they also have all this stuff for your actual fantasy right. baseball. That's why we're stuff, talking right. about it now. Which, which is, is they've got the cheat sheets and the draft. They've got the new thing that they're not new thing. It's a couple years old now. But uh, my leagues where you can import your league right into their website and get cheat sheets and rankings and projections customized for your league. You can even see like projected league standings and get trade and suggestions and recommended pickups. Rotowire is they're providing the write-ups and the info to places like ESPN, Yahoo, CBS. They're one of, if not the most trusted right. kind of fantasy outlet in the entire industry. And here's the beauty for Gleeman and the Geek listeners. And I always stress a couple aspects of this because you can get a free trial at rotowire, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, rotowire.com slash Gleeman. And when I say free trial, here's how you know it's actually no strings attached, free. You don't even have to give them your credit card. Right. It's not free, and then 10 days in, it kicks in and charges you a billion dollars. They are so confident that if you try it, you will find it so valuable. You can sign up, right. do 10 fantasy drafts, right. yes. and then drop it if <laughs> you right. want. Right. But they're confident that the product itself and the content is so good that after you try it, you will find it a very yeah. reasonably priced, and then, worthwhile and then investment. You'll, you'll also have it for football season, too. That's true. What's I've football now? That's the thing where they kick the... Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about Donovan Solano. Yes. Um, two million, one-year deal. Uh, the, I can definitely confirm that the Twins talked to Luke Voigt. Uh, you know, I don't want to say that in the last 48 hours, but like previously this, this offseason. Luke Voigt as a first base type. Uh, Julie Guriel as a first base type, uh, who's unsigned still. Right. Um, you know, I think the, I'm. I haven't actually seen Voigt's contract terms. It's a minor league deal, but what he gets if he makes the team. But I'm going to guess it's in a similar range. You know, 
one to three million or sure. something like that with some, some incentives. Guriel, we'll see. He's obviously been holding out for a better deal, but at some point here, he's going to have to, you know, right. musical chairs. Yeah. He's going to have to sit down somewhere. Um, and I think is he sitting at the WBC too? Do we hear? Yeah, it's, I don't know. He's Cuban. Uh, Guriel. At one point he was. I know he was planning yeah, on his it. brother's now, right playing. I want to say. Um, so. You know, it gets back to the Larnick thing. It's also true of like Voigt. Guriel's not really like a slugger, but he's a bigger bat right. potentially than Solano, although Guriel's also like 35, 30. So he might be even older than that. Which is how do you value the positional flexibility in that last year Solano played first in DH for the Reds? But for the three years prior to that, he was the Giants' primary second baseman. Right. And then if you go back even earlier when he was with the Marlins, you know, in his 20s, he was a shortstop at times. He played third at times. He played second. And so he's moved a little bit down the defensive spectrum, which you would expect for a guy who's now 35 years old. But he's also just become a much better hitter. And so that's played a part in it, too. He came up with the Marlins, and he was he was faster. He was a slick fielding middle infielder, good at second, decent at short, all that stuff. His bat wasn't great. And actually, he 2017 and 2018, he wasn't even in the majors. Right. And But the Giants signed him to a minor league deal before 2019 he went to triple a and hit like 350 he got called up to the giants and then he was just like a cult hero for that season he hit like literally hit 330 as a part-time player for the giants and then the next year which was the short short season covid season in 2020 he was the giants starting second baseman and he hit like 320 and he won a silver slugger award uh, at second base he then plays 2021 with the giants and i think he hit 290 yep 280 but yeah then he then he goes to the reds and had some hamstring problems early in the season. They needed him more, not as a second baseman or as a utility infielder, but just as a right-handed kind of plug-and-play bat, yep. especially because the DH got added last year, so NL teams were kind of scrambling to fill that. Right. And so he was part first base, part DH, and he had like an average, I think a 98 OPS plus or something like that. Yep. Uh, and so I think, and he, first of all, he's five foot eight. so I joked to uh, a Twins employee <laughs> the other day, you guys managed to find a shorter first baseman than Luis Arias. Congratulations. <laughs> and he's he's certainly he doesn't look the part of a, you know, Luke Voigt or a Trevor right. Larnack or a traditional kind of slugging first base DH right. type of guy. But all the reviews and even statistically last year, he was really good at first base. Right. It's just a question of how much does height matter versus range right. and arm and just sort of middle infield instincts at first base. I mean, we saw that with Arise to some extent. Yeah. There are some plays that Arise just couldn't make because he's five foot nothing. But there are also some plays that he can make right. that a six foot five guy like Sano or right. Joe Maurer or, or Miranda you know, who just yeah. didn't, didn't have the instinct right. for it. Who right. just can't yeah. make it. So I would expect, at least barring injuries, Solano's primary role with the Twins to be A, first and foremost, hitting against left-handed pitching. <laughs> right. Within that, and I think we're going to see a lot of. Uh, well, go ahead. I think we're going to see a lot of platoon type situations yes. here. Yeah, go, yeah. Uh, definitely. Within that, I would expect more first base DH than second base, third base, for him at least, barring injuries. Uh, now, obviously, if Kirilov's out of the mix, then all of a sudden he might be the starting first baseman. But if Kirilov is in the mix, maybe he platoons with Kirilov initially. Maybe he platoons a little with Nick Gordon at DH. They're going to find spots to get his right-handed bat into the lineup so he can knock around left-handed pitching. And then the fact that he can play second base and can play third base 
gives them coverage, as the as Rocco Baldelli likes to say, right. because they just ran out of coverage last year. Yep. There were just days when it was like, we don't have anybody who can A, play because they're not healthy, and B, we got the six corner outfielders, no infielders. Right. What are we going to yep. do here? And so clearly the priority this offseason, whether it was Farmer, whether it's Solano, even Michael Taylor, those type of guys, we want veteran guys who have been starters or regulars in the past we want them in part-time roles kind of overqualified for the role we give them and they can play everywhere in the infield can play all the spots in the outfield and so that's what i think solano brings to the to the table mostly it is looking to me one of the things i did not anticipate happening in camp and i didn't think about and i'm having my having trouble getting my head around it i think the fan base is going to have trouble getting their head around it i think the beat writers having trouble getting their heads around it they are building this team like it's a pitching and defense team. Yeah, I would this I is, would say pitching, defense, and line drives is what they're yeah. trying to kind of put together. Yeah, that's right. It is. I mean, you, you hear when Rocco talks about he talks about base running, which which is it's just weird to be thinking pitching and defense for the Twins when pitching has been abysmal. <laughs> and <laughs> right? four years ago, right? they set the all time home run record. <laughs> yeah, yeah four, yeah, four years ago they were the Bomba Squad. Pitching has been abysmal. Base running has been abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defensively, they have not been particularly strong in previous years. I made some, I think, uh, progress last year, but right. you know, still stuff, still still some areas to work on. Um, and, and especially, you know, when Buxton was hurt, uh, right. defense was was struggling. And everything that has happened in the last, basically post, well, even I was going to say. Certainly post Joey Gallo trade or post Joey Gallo signing, but even he kind of counts because he's a defensive. Well, that's the thing. He's a he's, defensive piece. He's a 2019 type of hitter, right? Exactly. Except he's a Gold Glove, right. two-time he's, Gold Glove winning outfielder exactly. who they feel like can play all three outfield spots and first base. And right. while well, he's six five and a you know, big hulking guy, he's not yeah. the speedster. He's widely regarded as a really aggressive, smart base runner. Right. And so, yeah, to your point, I agree. But I don't know that they've in their head. I don't know that they think. They are a pitching and defense team in that they're the best pitching and defense team. But I just think that was the area that they felt they needed to boost the most. And you, you even take, if it's just getting to above average, and you, you know take, what I mean. You take a look at where the offense is on this team; it's all up the middle. You right. take away where the questions are, or where we expect it's all on the pl- corners. It's all on the corners. It's easiest, all the power positions, which are the easiest right. to find guys and to mix and match, and particularly if you end up stashing. Walner and right. Larnick and you know on and on right. in the minors. You know if Solano doesn't hit because he's thirty five, you're not attempting to replace him at second base, which is tricky. Right. You're just attempting to replace him at bat, right? Which means you just have to find someone who can play first base or DH or you know corner outfield, whatever it is. And so yeah, I agree with I, you. And we're gonna have I think we're gonna have platoons in left field yeah. up pretty regularly. I think we're gonna have platoons at first base. Like we're gonna have platoons, platoons at DH. Which I'm glad. Like, By the way, what was the one of the I didn't want to say the number one complaint about Garden Hire and even to some extent Molitor, although he right. was better about it. Uh which is Garden Hire would just trot out, you know, Jock Jones every day right. against righties and lefties. And you're just leaving you're leaving money on the table right. uh when you're doing that. And I think the twins feel there are some players who just play every day. Obviously, but especially left-handed hitters, and this is something we used to talk about with Morno and Maurer. Kubel, really good left-handed hitter. Against most lefties, you probably have better options right. with just an average right-handed bat. And so Farmer and Taylor and Solano, and now even Jeffers as a backup catcher who can play some DH potentially against lefties. Like these are not amazing offensive players, right. but they're 
competent right-handed bats who, if spotted in matchups primarily against left-handed pitchers, well, Solano's hit 320 against lefties. Right. Farmer slugged, I don't know, five-something against lefties last year. Like, you can put them but, but, in it, spots yeah. where it maximizes their strength and it doesn't force guys like Kirloff or Gallo or whoever, left-handed bats, to take these kind of flailing at bats in tough spots against left-handed but pitchers. even the guys that are the options, the right-handed options, to replace all of those left-handed options. Right. We're not talking Kyle Garlick here. Right. We're talking defensive first right. guys for the most part. Who are going to contribute. Right. They may, not, they may not be in a good spot offensively. Like Michael Taylor, if you're starting him against righties, right. he's going to be batting ninth or eighth. Right. And you're just kind of hoping he you know, doesn't sink completely. Right. But he's still a gold glove center sure. fielder. So he's right. at least providing you know, value on that side. I think it's funny, too. I agree with what you're saying is we spent a lot of the offseason, or I did especially, saying the one thing they didn't really do that I kind of had on my list, because they checked almost every box that we kind of – was like an Andrew McCutcheon or Mitch Hanniger, like a veteran corner outfielder, right-handed bat, who's kind of like a too good to be a fourth outfielder, but it has some injury or aging concerns in terms of being like you just your starting left fielder. And they never brought in a guy like that to platoon with – all these lefty bats. It's more of a veteran Kyle Garlick type. Right, like a, a rich right. man's Kyle Garlick. Right. Not that right. Kyle yeah. Garlick is not a rich man. But um, what they did instead was kind of get to that point in a weird way with two different players, which is they brought in Taylor, who is a right-handed hitting outfielder, right. but he's not a great hitter. But if you spot him against lefties, he can be a competent, average-ish hitter, I think. And he's a great fielder, and he's very fast, and he's a base-stealing threat. And then... They bring in Solano, right. who is a right-handed hitter, but isn't really a corner outfielder, but he can play first base in DH, and he can open up some possibilities for other guys to then go to the outfield and provide depth in the outfield, and he knocks around lefties as well as anybody you could have signed from that sort of Mancini, McCutcheon, Hanninger sure. type right. of thing. I mean, yeah. he's a 320 hitter against lefties over the past. He's got the nickname. This is a great nickname. <laughs> Donovan Solano's nickname is Donnie Barrels. Yeah. <laughs> which he, I think he got early on in San Francisco. He got that, no, he got that in LA. Well, here's the thing. I think, I think we, he got it in when LA. When we talked to him yesterday, somebody said, Where'd you get the nickname Donnie Barrels? And he was like, I don't want to say. We're like, Where'd you get it? And so he said that Mike Yastremsky, who is the grandson of yeah, Carl, Carl Yastremsky, who is a Giants outfielder for the okay. past like three years, gave it to him. So then Doe came up here to the press box, which is would have been in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Yeah. Doe came up here to the press box and, and Googled that and found an article from three years ago where Mike Yastrzemski says, yeah, I don't know where he got the nickname, but uh, it's a good nickname. <laughs> so now it's like no, nobody's even their own reliable narrator. Because Cal Farber was talking about playing with him as a Dodger. Right. He played, right. So they played together in Cincinnati last right. year. But long before that, yeah. they were at AAA right, in the yeah. Dodgers system together. Right. And I've got the sense that they were calling him that as right. a prospect. It's a, gr- in- it's a great nickname. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, and the reason he has that nickname is he's five foot, let's call it five foot eight. I'll take the under on that, having met him. But <laughs> uh, he's five foot eight. I think he's got 25 homers in his whole career. I think it's, he hits yeah, seven right. one year yeah. was like right. his career high. Yeah. But he's a line drive machine. And I know we say that about, you know, a rise and other players. Since 2019, when he hit his way back to the majors with the Giants, so now four seasons, he has the number one line drive percentage in all of Major League Baseball, which means he's hit the most line drives as a percentage of the balls he puts in play of anyone in the entire league. 
And he's eighth in batting average during that time. He's not the most patient hitter. He's a contact style hitter, but he's not Luis Rice. No. He strikes out yes. a decent amount, you know, yeah. below average. He's he's not a guy two to one, three to one strikeout yeah. rates. Yeah. He's up there to swing. To walk, yeah. He's up there to spray the ball to all fields. He can go the opposite way. Right. Once in a while he turns on a ball. I just I watched a couple of highlights. He had a couple of walk-offs for the Giants where they groove him a fastball and he just hits it four and twenty feet and it's like, oh. The pitcher's like, oh no, he could. He, I, mean, I don't think he could ever hit double double digit no. home runs in his entire Seven, career. I think right. is the most. But he, he, even he, in the Niners, <laughs> he is a guy who has a good clubhouse rep. Kyle Farmer basically said he's the guy that the Reds players would go to to get info on that day's opposing pitcher because he's got a good mindset and basically he's just a natural hitter. Right, like he's just a line drive guy. And I think to your point of pitching and defense, I would add in. Contact and line drive. Yeah, that's true. And I realize that sounds silly for a team that just traded Luis Arise. But what I mean is they're trying to kind of diversify the offensive attack so that it's not wait around for the three run homer. Those are great. You still need that. But they want to, and that goes into the base running too, which is they want to be able to go first to third. They want to kind of push the issue. They want to be able to score more runs on singles. They want to score two runs on a double in the gap instead of one run on the, that sort of thing. And so I think he kind of fits that a little bit the too. The question kind of becomes, do they have a three run homer guy other than Buxton at this point? I mean, they, they've right. got, they, they still have Gray. can hit some home runs. Kepler can hit some runs. Polanco. They're hoping Miranda. Miranda hopefully would I mean, be. Joey Gallo hit 40 homers two Well, that's years a ago. good point, provided that's, he actually kind of comes through. Right. Here. I almost think they're viewing it as, the spe- it used to be that the specialists, kind of the role players, were a base stealing guy or a defense guy or a line drive guy. <laughs> and now I think the mentality is Gallo is almost the, the home run specialist. Yeah, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you supplement the lineup that has more diversity, and there's a couple spots where, oh, here's the guy who's going to try to hit the three-run homer. And so I don't know. It's- it also feels like a, a reaction or a correction to the way the baseball has changed. For sure. right? 2019, yeah. we we spent a lot of time in 2019 praising this team for adapting to the juiced baseball or saying how fortunate it was that they were an offense that emphasized hitting the ball hard and putting it in the air and pulling the ball and right. hitting it as far as you can in exactly the same they year that the baseball these, got juiced. All these right-handed bats, right. even scrap heap guys, C.J. Right. Crone, Jonathan right. Scope, that sort of thing. Right. And Nelson they, Cruz, obviously. And, and they did all of that. And when the year that the ball was juiced and they had, what, four or five guys hit 30 home runs, right? Yeah. It was crazy. Five guys. Yeah, there's, five, a, right. there's a bobblehead. <laughs> right, five guys hit 30 home runs, right? Well, you know, 2022 comes along and the ball isn't flying and – we talked to Kepler about it the other day. Kepler was talking about how, you know, exact same launch angle, exact same exit velocity, it's not going out. Right. And he started making some changes to his swing, trying to, quote, level it out a little bit, which means he's trying to hit line drives, which means he's trying to be Solano. Right. <laughs> right? Um, and the reason why is because he's just pulling a lot of balls, and they're just fly balls that are dying at the track or dying short of the track. And... I, I don't know if they have a sense of where the baseball is going to be. Well, that's this year. the tricky part. No right. one has a sense because MLB just messes with this stuff without even telling <laughs> well, people, uh, and then after the fact won't even admit to it. Right? Like yeah. there'll be studies done where people literally cut open the baseballs or test the right. you know wind resistance on the baseballs in in laboratory settings, right. 
and MLB would be like, eh, we don't know about well, that. Or where it looks like they were using uh, you different know, balls. They were the using uh, unjuiced baseballs for most of the major leagues, right. but then they were using maybe juiced baseballs in the playoffs or for Yankees games. Right. <laughs> where Aaron Judge is chasing a and, home run thing. Like, And I know people were like, why were the Twins slow to kind of adapt stylistically from 2019? Why did they stick with that kind of wait around for the homer approach? And I think that's a it's a fair enough criticism, right? And obviously they're kind of trying to course correct that this off season with this lineup now. But I also just think it's really hard to try to build a team yeah. that you le- you're leaning into the current conditions of the league in a way that you think you're maximizing value when those conditions they just change on a dime, like right. without any warning, and nobody seems to know. So it's also just human nature. I mean. You, you, we had so much uh, luck with our first baby, getting her to sleep at night and getting her to eat well and all this other stuff. And then the second kid comes along and you're doing exactly the same right. stuff and it's not working. And right. you're like, what is wrong with you, kid? Yeah, no, like, no. This kid you, sucks. Which, which, yeah. which is, the kid is just different. You know, if you'd have, if you'd have approached it with a blank slate, the kid would, right. would already be sleeping, yeah, already be eating well. Something. It's just, you, it's hard to unlearn what you have done. And I think maybe it's, and it's the same thing with business. They always say the toughest business you'll ever start is your second business. Yeah, because the first one works, and the second one you try to do the exact same thing. You try to do that second franchise, and it's like, why doesn't this one work exactly the same? Well, because you've got to unlearn everything from the first one. And I think they had so much, so much success in 2019, and could sit back and do that. And that when the conditions changed, I mean, they were they're literally they're going, set the all-time home record, right. run record. Yeah, I think probably for a couple years after that, you're going to continue to lean into yeah. home runs. Well, Nelson Cruz stayed on the roster right. through 2021. Miguel Sano was on the roster well, through 2022. I mean, like, they made the right. they won the division in 2022 right. or 2020. Excuse Max me. Kepler is swinging through the fences. All the all be honest period. though, have you ever met a kid and just thought this kid sucks? <laughs> Not your own kid. Your two kids are lovely oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you met me when I was 19. Exactly. So you thought, this kid sucks. <laughs> and then here you are, 20 years later. Exactly right, yeah. Uh, okay, so... You've really grown. Yeah, now it's this old man sucks is really what the this middle-aged idiot sucks. Uh, okay, let me just hit a couple other Solano notes just so people maybe have a, a full feel of, of where he's at. Um, I think clearly... The depth, I mean, it's one thing to talk about depth, but I would, they're almost like just hoarding. It's almost like overkill. Right. I mean, when you're in a well, spot where you're. It, I mean, it felt like overkill when they made this deal. Like, right. That's why we were all sitting around at Fort Myers Brewing looking at each other going, what is going on? But I on? mean, think of the deals they've made. Now, obviously, they sent out a rise, so that changed right. things a little bit. But they acquired Pablo Lopez at a point to sit near the top or at the top of the right. rotation, which already at that point had five. St- I mean, they could have. Yeah. Just entered the season with Ober as their fifth starter, right. and they had a rotation. Uh, they signed Christian Vasquez to push Ryan Jeffers, who had been right. the primary catcher, into a backup role, which right. adds depth and, and hopefully improves the starting situation. They signed Gallo, and we the immediate reaction was, they already have a logjam of left-handed hitting corner right. bats. Yeah. But now they have a logjam Good plus. Good defensively. Right. <laughs> right. And then Taylor and Farmer, like I said, were – Farmer was the red starting shortstop or primary shortstop right. the past two years. Taylor's been the, the royal starting center fielder for the past couple of years. Well, now they're backup roles. Right. They're overqualified for that. And now Solano is a similar thing. He pushes guys off the roster who are major league caliber players who are now backups to the backup. Right. Which yep. last year that became important. Unfortunately, now they right. would love to not need. Look, I, I'm not saying they would love for Trevor Larnick to spend the entire season at AAA. 
<laughs> but if Trevor Larnick does spend the entire season at AAA or most of the season, it probably means the line the lineup is or, really or humming. Trevor Larnick sucks. I mean, it's what, that kid a, sucks. Is what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be the bad reason for him to See? be spending. I knew you would say some kids suck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and like you said, they're going to platoon a lot. Although you just flat out said that, like they're they're kind of running through lineup iterations or scenarios already, where when a lefty is on the mound. Last year, so often, once the injuries hit, I mean, we joked about the couple of games where a lefty starting for the other team, and your outfield was like Nick Gordon, Jake Cave, and Mark Contreras, who are all left-handed hitters. Two of those guys are wouldn't be starting every day in right. in Triple A. That's not going to be the case, at least initially this season. If a lefty is on the mound, they can stack seven, eight. I don't yeah. know, maybe even nine yeah. righties against them because they got a couple of switch hitters. And when a righty is on the mound, well, we've talked all offseason how they got lefty bats. I mean, right. they got jo- Joey Gallo yep. and Kepler. And if Larnick comes up or yep. Kirloff is in the lineup and Polanco is a switch hitter, and then several of the righty bats that they have, Buxton, Correa, Miranda, let's say, right. well, those aren't platoon guys. They, those guys can bat against righties too. Correct. And so I just feel like they they focused on quality not star caliber guys bringing in, but like average or above average guys, they've stockpiled them. Almost all the guys they brought in have defensive flexibility, and then almost all the guys they brought in have a, like a specialty that they can be deployed, whether it's platooning against lefties or in Taylor's case, just being an elite glove sure. who can run a little yep. bit. And so I, I think that's – as we look back at this offseason, whether it goes well or it goes poorly, that's that was clearly – you know. Number one on their whiteboard was like we cannot. I think you're going to get see left that. in the same lurch or in the same spot that we were last year, where we just we had to make lineups almost by default because we just didn't have guys who could play elsewhere. We just had to use the nine guys we had. The first time they face left-handers in, yeah. during this season, the first half dozen times they face left-handers, we're going to see a whole bunch of these bench guys in the lineup yes. and. The Twins fans are going to have to oh. react to I mean, it was the same that. thing with like, Kyle Garlic. Right. It's going it was to be, like, why yeah. is Kyle Garlic batting fifth? Because there's a lefty on the mound, right. and yeah. he mashes That's lefties. And we're going to see Michael Taylor in left field versus right. some, versus a lot of left-handers. Yeah, you're going to see Solano see, batting and second. And you see Kyle Farmer at first base yeah. <laughs> or, or Solano right. at DH uh, versus left-handers. You're going to see this, it and is, you're going to be taking well, Why the hell is Kyle Farmer right. DHing or playing first base? Right. Like That is going to happen. Because they're specialists. Right. And it's, and, and it's a very Raisian model. That started under right. Joe Madden when Rocco right. was an outfielder for the yep. Rays. So it's not surprising that Baldelli likes that approach, which yeah. is he the Rays. His, he wants his Ben Zobrist. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are the two the, things the Rays, the, I think, have done. I mean, the, everyone focuses on the pitching with the Rays. But from an offensive standpoint, they're, ne- they're rarely a great offensive team because they don't spend any money offensively. But what they do is they squeeze the maximum utility out of role players. And they do it two ways. Everyone on the roster can play four different positions, yep. which the Twins are tr- clearly trying to mimic. And they'll play guys like – they'll play like some guy at shortstop for a game or two who's never played shortstop before, but just they've given him reps and right. he's ready to go. They view it, I think, the defense as a collective as opposed to like positionally. It's almost like is there co- is there enough coverage in this group? And then the other thing that they did was completely – almost like hockey line changes for lineups, which is like, oh, lefty on the mound or lefty breaking ball guy on the mound versus lefty uh, fastball guy on the mound. Here, we stack these guys. You know, Solano bats second, Farmer bats fourth. Like, and righty on the mound, 
completely different stacking of lefty bats. And so I think that's what they've tried to build, and it doesn't surprise me, A, that the front office views that as a good thing because the front office is going to be much more keen on finding kind of pieces that click together. But then I think they do have potentially the right manager for that because he came up under Joe Madden, right. who yeah. was famous right. for that. Right. They'd, yeah. they'd be in the ALCS and have completely different lineups day to day just based on the starting pitcher and matchups and all that. I just thought, I just realized, you know, with uh, they could easily put Jeffers at DH sometime, like they are in actually the home opener yeah. here. Against, left, <laughs> against right, the lefties. lefties right. right? You could put, uh, you know, Farmer and Taylor in the outfield in the, for Kepler and uh, Gallo. Gallo. You could put, uh, you know, Solano at first base, and you've got literally nine right hand, nine guys yes. who can bat right-handed Including versus Plonko, left-handed versus Plonko, Plonko, who's the switch right. hitter. I, I mean, honestly, they're going to do that. Right. I mean, at minimum, you're going to have seven or eight righties. Right. And, you know, they got to perform. But like I said, the aver- just an average major league right-handed hitter is going to be very good over a big enough sample against left-handed pitchers because there's the platoon advantage right. and there's also the platoon disadvantage, which is why they try to do that. And so I think they're setting things up for that. And like you said, there are going to be lineups posted on days <laughs> where people who – It's going to go – it's going to be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're saying Twins Twitter will finally have a reason to freak out? No. They are, they're freaking out no matter what, right. so we might as well exactly make it good. Right. But I would I, – here's what I would tell people. If you're listening to this show, you're, you know, I'm not saying you're not prone to freakouts, but you got a little <laughs> extra maybe willingness to think about a situation. I would caution: don't focus on someone's overall numbers. In other words, if a lefty's on the mound and you know Kyle Farmer is yeah. batting fifth or whatever, right. or playing first base or whatever, right. and you go, oh, Kyle Farmer's like a career 690 OPS. Well, yes, but his overall numbers are not in the lineup today. Right. His numbers against lefties are in the lineup today. Right. And so look at those. It's the same thing with Garlic, uh, who, by the way, will probably be at AAA to start the season. And it's not, you know, you go, well, really? Donovan Solano's going to be the DH, the first base? He's got a you know 390 career slugging percentage. Yes, but his overall numbers are not necessarily in the lineup at first base. It's his numbers against lefties that are in the lineup. When those guys are there, uh, it would be interesting to see where they who's at the leadoff spot because Solano could absolutely probably post a really good OPS for a straight handers yeah. to be having the leadoff spot. He's not that we should mention this. He's not a stolen base guy no. either. He's no, slow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. That yeah. Uh, okay, so let's hit Taylor it. on the other hand might be an interesting guy in that spot. The leadoff spot against lefties, you're saying? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it might be Buxton. It might be. Why should like having him in the fourth? Polanco. I mean, they got a lot of guys yeah. who could potentially do it. it might, honestly, it might be Kyle. No, it won't be Kyle Farmer. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, let's go through a few stray notes here. Yep. Uh, to finish up in camp, uh, we mentioned this early on. Jordan Balzavic, who this time <laughs> last year was a consensus top 100 global prospect across baseball. Right. Many people had him as the Twins' number one prospect or number one pitching prospect. He had some knee problems coming out of camp last year, didn't start the season at AAA until I think mid-May, and was just awful. Just yes. got knocked around to a level you rarely see from any minor league player, let alone a legitimate prospect. I believe he gave up like 65 runs in like 72 innings or something like that. And that's, by the way, with finishing on a relative high note. I mean, he had a point where his ERA was like almost nine, and they just kept trotting him out there. And the feeling was, 
the injury, the knee problems hampered him from a mechanical standpoint, and also he was just behind. Right. And but and then he just never really put it together, right. even after the knee was was supposedly to, no longer a problem. Right. But he finished with a handful of decent starts at the end of the season, right. where he kind of looked like himself, and this was going to be a big year for him. Because he had been kind of passed by right. by Varlin and Winder and Woods Richardson, right. who got to the majors last year, uh, and there's more coming. I mean, he's right. in danger of being passed up by another group of of starting prospects. Right. So, shows him to he get he arrives in Florida early. I'll give him credit for that. He was here a week early. Okay, made the mistake of going out to a bar on a Saturday night, <laughs> and then he made the mistake of I don't know what, but somebody punched him in the face, and he. Uh, Hit the ground and he broke his jaw and there was no fight. Nope, nope. It was just one punch. That's right. That was it. That's right. And he broke his jaw. No charges against him because he never actually threw a punch. Right. Yeah. Which so, uh, okay was he sucker punched or what? I don't know. But anyway, he's now got a broken right. jaw. And when you have a broken jaw, not only do you get to eat through a straw for like six weeks, you also can't do anything. Like right. you can't. You, it's you hard to sit and sit and right. let your it's hard jaw to, like, heal even do like cardio right cuz your breathing right. is That's you know bad. so he's around i mean i've seen him a couple days we haven't gotten a chance to to talk to him maybe they're well the broken jaw <laughs> makes that tough well, too i it guess it may be tricky yeah um but so look i, I they, the audio real real tricky they were they didn't hide how disappointed they were in this situation no, they did not uh they being Rocco Baldelli Derek Falvey talking to some people, you know, off the record behind the scenes. They felt what we just said, which is this is a guy who didn't need additional speed bumps on his road back here. Right. This is a guy who already needed to have things go well for him this year right. to reestablish himself. But so, you know, they're disappointed. Uh, this is not the, the foot he should have gotten off to this year. With that said, he's 24. You know, this doesn't, I don't think, make him significantly less likely than a month ago to have a solid major league career, it just doesn't improve his odds any. No, like, it just means he might be hitting St. Paul a little bit later right. than he was this year. He, I mean, right. he can't throw bullpens right now, so he's already kind of behind, right. and he's going to be behind for another week or two while this gets solved. Yeah, so. It's just a it's just a, it's a unforced error yeah. that a player in his spot Did not need. doesn't need. And yeah. so I think that's where he's at. So now he's just sort of out of sight, out of mind for a while. Now, with that said, we we talked about Ober now might be in Triple A. He's right. the sixth yep. starter. That means Louis Varlin's your seventh starter. Simeon Woods Richardson's, who I just talked to a half hour ago, is your eighth starter. Your ninth starter. I mean, well, we should talk about the potential ninth starter here. Who's the potential ninth starter? Josh Winter. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about him then. <laughs> yeah, That's the right. latest update. I just I thought you were going to say Brent Hedrick, <laughs> who was down there doing crossword puzzles, and I helped him with an Enya. Answer. Oh, really? He didn't know. Good one. And so he, ooh, he said, ooh, that fits. Enya, I'm going to, and then I said, don't forget about that. Who helped you with this? this is, <laughs> when you're in your 10th year in the majors, there you and go. I come looking for a big scoop. That's right, that's he's right. going to say, wait, are you the Enya, Enya guy? guy? <laughs> I said, don't forget about that. Anyway, they're, they're down there. Crosswords <laughs> have taken over the clubhouse. That's I kind of want to write about it. That's a good idea. Uh, I'm it feels told, like Doe should probably tackle that. Yeah, well, I, here's the thing. I said, Doe, you should write about this, you big, tremendous nerd you. Right. And he's like, eh. And so then... Doe Do confided that his uh, next big goal for this year is to get a crossword puzzle in the New York yeah, Times. Yeah, to create the, the puzzle itself. That's right. 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 I just want to like, accepted by the New York Times. I just want to like interview five people and have them tell me who's the best and the worst. <laughs> Sounds like Matt Cantorino is the best huh. at crosswords. 
but I really kind of want to know who the worst is, <laughs> right? I mean, I asked Randy Dobnek who's the worst, and he looked around like he was going to tell me, and then he was like, "I don't know. It's early to it's early to say." <laughs> Which either means he's the worst. Well, just so we're clear, that, yeah, yeah. Just so we're clear, the worst is whoever's not participating. Well, right. But <laughs> there, there's been double-digit, right. mostly seems like pitchers, because uh, I'm sure it started with a pitcher and then they started like Griffin Jacks is in the right. mix, Dobnik right. is in the mix, Cantorino's leading the way. So they're doing USA Today crossword puzzles. Now I would argue. Now I'm biased because I'm a subsidiary of the New York Times myself. For sure. Maybe move to the New York Times, but maybe that's a little more challenging. I think it probably is a little more challenging. Dobnik already admitted that. Today that he ran into some walls. Well, you he don't need to out him like that. By the way, I went. Uh, got it some, was on the record. Got some. <laughs> got some General So's chicken last night. That was really good. Yeah. You know, I ran into it at the restaurant. Uh, Randy Dobnik. Robin, yeah. Randy Dobnik and his his wife. Would yeah. you go to Max? Yeah. Max. Yes. Yes. Good. Yeah. Good spot. They were coming out when we were going in. Um, okay. So Josh Winder. Uh, past two years have been either ended early two years ago. And was just sort of muddled by at various points shoulder problems last year. Finished on not a great note for the Twins. Also spent some time at AAA and on the AAA injured and, list. And just so we're clear, he has struggled with shoulder problems off and on yes. for several years. So this, is not, this was not a one-time thing. Right. Right. Starts his off-season throwing program December-ish, which is common. Had some shoulder soreness. And in talking to him, he basically said... You know, I go out to throw. In he lives in Virginia. Uh, it doesn't feel right. And the question then is, well, doesn't it? Does it not feel right because it's got cobwebs on it for a month because right. I took a month off, or does it not feel right because I've had shoulder problems? And he said he's glad that he decided let's reach out for, to the Twins and their new training staff led by Nick Paparesta, and they got him some resources of people to talk to in Virginia, and they shut it down. And he said, I'm very glad because what I didn't want to do was. Do three more mound sessions, sure. tear something, and then right. be out for whatever. So he's about a week behind their hoping in camp. He hasn't thrown a live bullpen session. Right. We'll see three, four days from now if he's is right. back in the mix. If not, then it becomes an issue. Yeah. Um, although, like we've said, he's not penciled into the rotation. He would be potentially competing for a bullpen spot maybe with someone like Trevor McGill. Sure. But most likely he was going to go to AAA and be in the rotation at yeah, AAA. I mean, we, we, we haven't – we'll probably dive into the bullpen here in a future episode. But, you know, you take a look at the eight spots that are going to be sitting in the bullpen. One of them is probably, you know, long relief. I don't know. Right? Yeah, I wonder about I mean, that. And so, you know, that I, – I wonder if as we're kind of mapping out, you know, here's our top six and then we've got a couple more here. We're thinking maybe those last two might be McGill and uh, – and I can't remember. Uh, you know, we might say, you know, it might also be – Ron Paranowski might be, is the name It might be Winder. With. It might be Sands. It uh, might be Ronnie Enriquez. It might be somebody who's – Al Worthington. Yeah, you know, it might be Dobnik. It might be somebody that is – John's ignoring my attempts to throw him <laughs> off track. What a profession. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it might be somebody who they're like, ah, let's get some guys – let's have some guys ready to throw three innings. Bulk guys, they yes, call it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so. Um, so I will say Winder, who's a really smart guy, he, I think – did a good job talking us through the situation sure. and everything. He seems optimistic. Like he doesn't seem down about it. But when you're on year three of this, essentially the same problem. Now he did say that this training staff and along with the coaches have altered his mechanics a little right. bit. And it they've feels altered, like they're attacking it a different way. Right. And to try to alleviate this. And, and they've also kind of altered his strength and conditioning program to try to strengthen different parts of the shoulder and all that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, we talked about Kirilov already on the injury front. Right. 
Um, let's see. Tyler Malley, like I said, through live BP. I think yeah. he's done it twice now. He's yeah. definitely done it once. He hit 95. I don't remember if we had a long Tyler Malley conversation on the Patreon or in here, but the bottom line yeah. is with him is that he feels 100% different than he felt last year and that the, the shoulder fatigue or whatever it was that he was right. fighting late last season, he basically said he thought that was a a result of the shortened spring training they had last year preceded by the lockout which allowed him to not prep as much as right. he had this year and to to validate that you can take a look at where he is this year throwing 95 in March or February which nobody is doing I mean just he, camp he, wide right. and, and Falvian Baldelli talked about this yesterday I feel like <laughs> Falvian talked about how he's getting a little worried about yeah. it <laughs> like Duran's at 102 already you got Griffin Jack said the other day he's going to hit 100 he's, Emil- he's certain Emilio Pagan's like I'm 96 I don't know what's going yeah. on right well the now. other day McGill thought claimed to have hit 102 well somebody claimed that McGill, McGill hit, hit 102. 102 right we've checked he didn't hit 102. He hit 100, I think. Okay. Um, the the I won't say who, but there's a front office member who the pitchers seem to talk about as the buzzkill of velocity <laughs> because he's got the actual data from like the TrackMan <laughs> right, devices. Right, 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 so right, everyone right. goes, I feel like I hit 97 there, and then they'll walk in the dugout, and this person will say, I think he hit like a 94.6 or something <laughs> like that. It's like, well, you didn't have to tell me that. But yeah, Pagan was actually – I chatted with Emilio Pagan a little bit yesterday. He was talking about McGill. He's like, uh, it's not that he can't throw 102. He just didn't throw 102 that day. Right. So let's. Well, it's February. Well, so I, I mean, just so clear, everybody's should right. be down five miles per hour well, from we, their peak. I here. remember we used to Nathan. read about Joe Nathan, <laughs> yeah, and right. I use him as the example because he's the greatest reliever in Twins history. But there are other examples of this right. too, going back 10, 20 years. He'd show up at camp, and the first article about him would be like, boy, Joe Nathan, uh, all star closer, Joe Nathan, threw uh, 86 miles an hour yesterday. It's a cause for concern. And he would always be like, we got six weeks, right? What the? What are we? Who <laughs> right. cares what I'm throwing today? Right. And I don't know if it's just the way because of technology and the ability to kind of independently train during the off season, or if it's kind of people leaning into preparedness following the COVID year. And two years ago was just a shorter spring, and then last year was the lockout where they couldn't even communicate. I wonder if it's like course overcorrecting. Right. Yeah, I think where so. guys it, like it feels I, like it. I want to show well, up day one well, ready to go. Also, like, you've got the WBC, right? Like that, there's a lot of people yes. who want to be at full steam come right. first weekend of uh, now. A lot of the names we're saying, I'm not sure. I mean, Pagan is probably in that in right. that. Uh, and Maley is not going there, no. uh, WBC. So I mean, I don't know exactly how many people this is affecting. Pablo but, Lopez is though. Yeah, he was throwing yep, yep. 94 the other day. I so. think I saw. Uh, let's see, a couple other, just to, uh, and then Kenta. Yeah. Um, who I think was 89. He'll 90. be pitching tomorrow for the Twins at home. Right. Which uh, he's going to go an inning. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, with him, he said it at Twins Fest. I'm full go, and right. that's the one no advantage limitations on to name. not right. having him come back in September as a reliever. Is you kind of extended the rehab by three months or right. four months, and so now look, he's not out of the woods in terms of setbacks or whatever. Just like well, anybody coming back from well, elbow surgery, as is like you don't really know where he's coming back to. Right, right. I and mean, that's, also, that's probably the, the bigger thing, question. It's not whether or not he's healthy; it's whether or not he's going right. to be Kenta He's thirty-five, also. Right. Yeah, so, like, right. if he had had no elbow problems, he might have started to show signs of decline. Right. Where we'd be sitting here and going, "Well, maybe he's a number four starter now at thirty-five. So, you know, there are questions to answer there. The one last thing. Oh, Randy Dobnik, in addition to talk to me about 
crossword puzzles and, and food. Fingers feeling good. Good. I mean, he's not in the mix for a, a opening day roster spot, obviously, because no. he's missed basically two years with the same finger problem, which has just been again. I wouldn't. I wouldn't totally count him out as the sort of a long reliever in the bullpen situation. Opening day. Potentially, I will give you whatever odds because they'd no, have to I, re-add I, I, him I, I, to the forty-man roster. Oh, I suppose. I think he'll go to AAA. What role there? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he reach, gets back to the majors right, this right, year. Yep. I mean, that's the goal, right. obviously. Well, I mean, there's like four guys that you could probably put in that role. Right. He's at the best he's got, twenty five percent chance. It's probably less than that, given the fact that he's one of them not on the forty man roster. Sure, so, yeah, right. Um, on the base running front that we were talking about earlier, they've brought in Paul Molitor. Yep. So people listening might be familiar with. He had a something of a baseball career. I believe he's from the Upper Midwest. <laughs> uh, young young man. No, uh, they brought in Paul Molitor. To specifically work with base running on the backfields to stress, like we were talking about, you know, base stealing always becomes the focus because that's everybody wants fantasy numbers and all that stuff. And it's really easy to notice a stolen base. Oh my God, we're being interrupted by the enemies. Hold on. (laughs) Wow, you've witnessed in live. Chick-fil-A order taking place is what happened. <laughs> he busted through the door. We pressed pause, and, he, and I said, what's going he on? He being Dan Hayes. Yeah, Dan Hayes. I said, what's going on? They make a big trade or something? What do you guys want from Chick-fil-A making a run? <laughs> and I thought, ooh. And then John spent uh, 42 minutes looking at their menu to place his combo order. <laughs> do Chick-fil-A very often. It's good. I mean, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we were talking about Molitor. But, and the only thing, we talked a lot more about this with Dan, actually, on the Patreon, because yeah, he wrote a right. full article about Molitor and interviewed. Has Brooks he actually Lee. written that article yet? Yeah, like he, was, he, he was pre-writing it at came the time. Okay. He talked to Brooks Lee. Brooks Lee, uh, his father, Larry Lee, has been was the coach at Cal Poly for like 20 years. He's like a, right. you know, so Brooks Lee's like a co- the typical coach's son. Right. He said uh, his family, you know, growing up in, in California, they had a, like a Paul Molitor shrine in his house. <laughs> like for real. That's and cool. I'm like, I said, hey, it's like, you just asked him, right? Like anything about Paul Molitor. And then this kid told you, yeah, my dad I had a Paul Molitor shrine. Did you think like, <laughs> well, is, is he messing with me? Because he knows I'm writing an article. Anyway, but I give Molitor. We'll see how many more times he claims there was a shrine. I know. You're going to ask him. Talk hey, about he, he had any interaction with the Troy Hawkins? Yep. We had a shrine. Michael had my Kedire shrine was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I had a Trevor Plouffe shrine. I have one of those. Trevor Plouffe shrine. Um, are, they Trevor like the, has, are they all like in like the the man cave, or are they, uh, are they my spread, Trevor spread out shrine? the various shrines? Oh. Like, are they in different rooms? Trevor Plouffe has apparently been saying nice things about uh, us and the show oh, on nice. his show, Talking oh, Baseball, which always beats nice. us in the podcast uh, rankings. Well, then, so it's that, like that, this is how we catch up to it. He's like when Joe Torre <laughs> would give Guardy a compliment after okay. the Yankees knocked him out of the playoffs. <laughs> right, you know? right, but I'll take good. it because I like yeah, Trevor. Sure, Plouffe. Right. We should maybe try to have. We should hang out with him back on the show. Yeah. Hang out. I don't think he's going to do, but it's too handsome to hang out with us. Let's be real. Um, but I give – so Molitor, as a player and as a coach and as a manager, was – obviously, he's a great player. He's 3,000 hits. But he also had 500 steals, and he was always portrayed as like a savant. Yeah. Like he stole signs or figured out signs, tip right. pitches. And he was also a very aggressive – early in his career, he was legit fast. Right. But then as he got into his mid-30s and became a DH and stuff, he was just an aggressive, you know, first to third, would cut angles perfectly. Yeah. And so to bring him in to coach not only stolen bases, but the emphasis seems to be even more on taking extra bases. Right. Do not get caught 
flat-footed when you can tag up and go from first to second on a long fly ball. Do not stop at second when you can cut that bag and go to third and force the issue and all those things. And nobody was better in the in the 80s and 90s than Paul Molitor. And I give Molitor credit because yeah. uh, this Twins regime fired him right exactly as manager yep. Yep. following 2018. Yep. Um, and I give the Twins credit right. because they fired him and clearly kept the well, relationship and- intact enough. The breakup was nice enough right. that while they're not dating again, they can at least be friendly. And you've got a manager that's... Uh, this is why I was really going to credit. That's right, yeah. Is, is Baldelli. Because Baldelli replaced Paul Molitor right. as manager. And so clearly their personal relationship is solid enough that both of them are willing to do this. But also if you're Baldelli, it is weird or it's a little potentially yeah, you've awkward got, yeah, you've got to a, get your predecessor, right. who by the way is a... Literal Hall of Famer and in Minnesota, a legendary figure will always be a legendary figure um, and say, yeah, come on to camp and And not have to worry about any sort of bad mouthing or anything like that. Yeah, I give him I give him credit that I've I've seen Paul Molitor now twice in the clubhouse and both times he was talking about, I believe, high school hockey both times. (laughs) So that's where we're at. He's really brought the Minnesota vibes uh, to Fort Myers. Um, Let's see. There was one other thing. I was going to talk more about Austin Martin, like an abbreviated version of the longer discussion we had on the Patreon side, because I had a good conversation with him about his down year and the changes he's making and why he's optimistic. And, you know, he's one of their kind of key make or miss prospects at this yeah, point. Right. But yeah. I'll just tell everyone to go listen to the Patreon. We did like, a, <laughs> right. I, I thought, a good like 25 minute conversation, reading some of his actual quotes and just my conversation with him. And I think if you're into prospects and you're wondering about the status of Austin Martin, you will like the conversation we well, had. I mean, if you're into prospects, period, you're probably going to like the Patreon over the next two weeks because there's we just see a lot of these prospects. We're going to see them in games. We're yes. going to have a chance to react to them. We get to talk to them. And we had a conversation with uh, Julian. Yeah. Uh, as well, uh, last week. Um, I just talked to Simeon Woods-Richardson down there. That, that's right. I mean, a good conversation. We're going to see Varland pitching in uh, – well, we actually probably aren't going to see Varland pitching in, in Sarasota right. because I don't think either of us are going. But, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of opportunities to do stuff like that. We should just mention – we haven't really plugged the Patreon much here. Uh, it's a really good – we're going to also have um, guests – uh, each of the Twins beat writers we are trying to arrange to have on at least once. We ju- you just missed the Dan Hayes one on Wednesday, but if you sign up for the Patreon... You get the whole archive, too. You get the so archive can... free, so you can go back and listen to that one before we get to Mondays, which is probably, I don't know, us probably we'll talking see. to either Doe or Betsy or Phil. We'll see. I'm we have to not right. annoy them from now until then, <laughs> which is right. always always iffy. Uh, okay. Thank you uh, to... Harry's Razors. And Rotowire. And Rotowire. Thank right. you guys uh, for listening. Yeah. We would love for you to go to patreon.com slash Gleeman, sign up for the Patreon. We're going to be doing probably at least one or two episodes midweek right. in between the free episodes, basically, exactly right. throughout camp. Where I'm sure I'm almost sure we'll have a mailbag this week. Yeah, we, we skipped it last week. We We've got to get one in here, right? So yeah, yeah, you, you get the exclusive inbox where you can send it in, and you've got a much better chance of hearing your mail, your mail actually read. That's true. All right. Talk to you guys later. Gleeman.